Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'd like to begin this podcast by recognizing the traditional owners of the land in which it is recorded. I pay respect to their elders past, present, and those emerging. AirPod trouble, this isn't good. <laughs> yeah, the AirPods, I sync up to the laptop automatically. I have that happen a lot. <laughs> it's very good. Oh, I'm gonna, I think I might hardwire this. I mean, sorry, Tim. No, you're fine. This is totally fine. I promise I'm usually a lot more professional. Than this. <laughs> this is, uh... it happens, it has happened to me. <laughs> Hello there, everybody. Welcome to Nature or Nurture for this week. My name is Sammy Peterson, and this week I am joined by the wonderful Tim Dormer. There is a content warning that I wanted to flag with you before you get into the episode that we do talk about something in Australia called the Royal Prank that happened uh, a few years ago now. And I just wanted to warn you that there is talk of suicide. If you want to skip forward 30 seconds when you hear the royal prank mentioned, definitely do that if that's something that you don't want to hear about. This is this week's episode with the wonderful Tim Dormer. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to Nature or Nurture, the podcast where I ask fascinating people key milestones on what made them who they are, and after a long wait, a very long wait, I've been very unprofessional this morning, the great Tim Dormer, who I'm a huge fan of, is joining me today. Tim, how are I'm you? I'm good, Sam. Thanks very much, and no stress. <laughs> I, I don't have much on today, so it's no, yeah, no wait for me. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's so good as well talk to someone who does a lot of podcasts and everything that, that it's a lot easier to understand sometimes. Yes. Oh, technology. It's like we should have got this right by now, but it's still... <laughs> Sometimes mucks up, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It totally mucks up. Now, Tim, the the way I like to start this podcast is by asking the question, and it it sounds like an easy question to answer, but it's it's actually quite complicated when you put a lot of thought into it. It's, do you believe that nature or nurture had the greatest influence on you? Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? Like, do some people say one or the other? I guess for me it's it's definitely both, I think, because... My nurture, I come from a a very distinct sort of upbringing, which was a conservative Christian household. Um, Very white, Mm -hmm. sort of middle class, (laughs) still privileged, but um, yeah, didn't want for anything. But yeah, I guess the the family culture was, I guess, Christian culture. And that was what I grew up in, like church every Sunday. We didn't go on Christmas and Easter though. That was funny. I always ask my parents, why are we not going on the day that everybody else goes? <laughs> they're like, well, that they're, they're the people that show up because they think that's what will get them into heaven. <laughs> so they, they take off the two days a year just so that other yes. people can get in that probably need it more. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but I guess, yeah. And then following on from that, like in early teenage years, 
my family went to a um, Anglican church, Church of England, mm-hmm. um, which is a quite sort of conservative in terms of their traditions, customs and sort of rituals, I found it. And then I I saw the local branch of Hillsong come to town and um yeah. and and I was wowed by the lights and the music and the good-looking people and <laughs> and I got involved there which my parents were really uneasy about. They sort of thought that that um was was not not the family values and they had a lot of questions about what what I was being taught but I mean I think that was just sort of old school conservatism but I um yeah I was really involved with the church for a while and so I took that on but then I guess choosing my own path through to my late 20s I kind of I I don't know I I that was when I started getting into media stuff because that that denomination of Christianity has a lot of multimedia stuff and I was in front of camera presenting and that's what kind of got me the the TV bug but um oh there was a, there was some other stuff that happened in the church where a lot of religious organizations crumble because of moral failure and that the main guy came out that he had been having affairs but it wasn't that that made me leave it was just I don't know at the time I thought that was the most normal and human thing that had happened yeah sure the congregation just didn't know how to deal with it and we weren't allowed to ask questions and I was kind of like I'm just sick of this bloody pretending and we're just all kind of doing things because we're told to do them so that was i guess my mid-20s the big where i would say it wasn't nurture it was something inherent in my nature that caused me to go okay i need to shed all this stuff that i've learned the way i've been brought up and find out what it is in the real world for myself and i i i really wonder where that kind of rebellion came from because my sisters are all still part of that family culture and right i've carried that on through my life that i sort of question things or i want to do it my way and um i don't know maybe that maybe that does come back to nurture as well because it is rebelling against the way i was nurtured but i think there's something inherent in me that um that i do do things a little differently and then only recently this year i've been diagnosed with autism which would mean that my nature is specifically different to the typical brain and, and, and my family, I guess. So, yeah, I think it's a bit of both for me. You're 30, 36 now? Were you 36? 38. 38? Yeah. yeah. When you were diagnosed with autism, what, what, how is that? How did that impact you? It, was it something you expected or is it something you've known for a while? Or how did that, how did that make an impact on yeah, you? Yeah, I, I think it's still sort of sinking in. It was only about three months ago. I mean, mm. I, I never thought that there was anything there to be investigated. My parents, mm. I guess, never were ones to sort of, um, I don't know, they, they don't really look into psychology or therapy. And yeah. and I guess people thought I might have had ADHD, but my parents weren't about medication um, as treatment. And then it was only in this year that I was asked to go back and do Big Brother that I sat down and watched my season from 10 years ago for the first time. I'd never seen wow. it. Yeah. And I you didn't want a, to watch it at the time? I wanted to keep the experience that I had very separate and distinct from a TV show that was created. And that was edited and Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's someone else's version of the story of the experience that I lived. And I, yeah. I kind of thought that was my power over the experience that I I don't know, I didn't see what everybody else saw and I I lived it 
myself. But I thought, okay, I've got to prepare to go back. So I, I sat down and watched it and it was like a real mirror to myself. <laughs> and there were moments where I thought, holy shit, you are actually unusual or you do things very differently or you're very unaware. I think that was this light bulb moment. And last year I was studying meditation and mindfulness teaching. And so there was a whole bunch of like this evolution of awareness in me that I was kind of like, wow, like, I don't know, maybe in a, in a way that was quite naive and, and, and lovely, humble or, or, or simple. I'd made mm. my way through life for 30 years without being very aware of myself, which yeah. meant that I did te- tread on a lot of toes and I did kind of offend people a lot, but it, also meant that I wasn't very self-conscious. And I think that was the version of Tim you saw 10 years ago was that I just didn't really care because I wasn't yeah. really aware that what it meant for someone to not like you or to, to question who you were. I, I had never questioned myself, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, so going back and watching it again the beginning of this year, it was kind of asking myself a lot of questions and then I'd gone through an awful breakup the year before last, which I needed some therapy for. And then the psychologist was sort of saying, oh, perhaps you are on the autistic spectrum. Like there's like my inability to grasp why my ex-partner had left. I just could not make sense of it. And Mm. it was unpacking a whole lot of boxes of realising that I know people do things a lot differently to the way I do it. And I don't know. But then, yeah, so... What was that um, diagnosis like to hear for the first time? Uh, I've been or the word like, coming up. Yeah, I've always hated labels, mm. and I think that was the biggest fear: was that okay, this puts me in a box, like it actually yeah. does define me. And I've spent my whole life going, "I'm not in a box." But yeah. the the fun thing about autism is that it's not really a box because everyone's brain within that box is very unique. Like we have it's some also common, different. It's so, so different. It's yeah, kind of yeah. like you don't fit in the box. So this is the category we put you in. Um, yep. I felt sorry for myself a little bit. Like I, I had a little cry and, and thought of all the challenges that I'd gone through that just didn't seem to make sense to me. Yeah. Suddenly made sense. And I felt sorry for that younger version of myself that, that didn't. It yeah. was a bit like a key to unlock a lot of mystery in my life. Um but then I, I like, what do I do with it now? It's quite strange. I, I kind of laugh thinking I won a reality TV show that's based on um, social skills, like so yeah, social yeah. cohabitation, <laughs> like, and and a lot of um sort of um sort of thought went into the way that I played the game and strategy, and I guess that came a lot to do with the way my brain works. But yeah, I like how did I win the biggest social experiment <laughs> reality TV show? Not knowing that I was autistic. I'd well, it probably made you better in lots of ways. Like you mm. said, it probably made you, you know, work in a very different way. How was it to sit down and watch watch it back after not watching it for so long and having, I guess, a perception of you after Big Brother because a lot of people just watched the edits of it and, you know, you did, you know, Canadian Big Brother. How, how was it for you to finally sit down and watch it? It was really special. Like, I, I think... I wanted to do it alone and I wanted to do it kind of consecutively all in one sitting, like sit yep. down and watch it. I think it was about a week or two because there was a lot of footage. There's about a hundred yeah. episodes. So it's, wow. yeah, like a week's worth of continual footage. 
Um, and it was really cool because there were some moments that I could not even tell you what happened next. Like, it's, it's funny how memory doesn't keep everything. And then there were other moments that I could tell you word for word what happened next. And (laughs) yeah, there was some cries and there was some, um, lots of laughs, but just felt really special to realize that that moment of my life has been captured. And I'm not going to revisit it very often, but maybe when I'm 80 or something, I'll sit down and, and not many people get that, I guess. But then it was also realizing that it was a moment captured nearly 10 years ago. And I could see the gap a bit clearer in, in how much I've grown and evolved over the last 10 years, what I'd learnt from that experience. Like that guy was so naive. He'd just come out of the church. I think he was mm. a virgin. He'd never done drugs. And here I was just like, I was going OTT a hundred percent sharing who I was and not really caring whether or not people embraced it. I wanted to win. Mm. Um, that's what my mo- motivation was. Not I wanted to be liked. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it. I was really proud that that, that, it, that had been captured, but that wasn't who I was anymore. I'd actually gone through a lot of life experience, which actually a bit of a reality check after I did reality TV. So it was really lovely as well. It was almost like... um. Like I, I got a bit of a, a cheer from an earlier version of myself where I wasn't yeah. as hurt. I hadn't gone through as many life um, challenges. There was a naivety about that guy that um, was fearless and he had a lot more courage than I guess I had starting off this last year. Um, yeah. So it was good. Like, yeah, I, I, I have found a renewed, um, I guess, strength. And, and going back to the show, I went back in and found myself again. It was full yeah. circle of coming back to this life-changing moment of doing a reality TV show and winning from the sheltered upbringing that I had. Um, it changed my life. And then it was kind of coming home, but then maybe saying goodbye. I've, I've, yeah. I feel like I've, I've done my bit with telling the world who Tim is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What 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 about? Well, thank you for doing this podcast and um, telling people again. I'm so sorry to bring you on. No, and say, I love Tell it. me everything I love again. The longer form convos because <laughs> yeah, I guess that's why we all love podcasting because you really get to know someone, and I don't know, you can hide behind screens, but behind a microphone, I think it's it's very vulnerable in a way yeah. to sort of yeah. e- expose yourself. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think a young Tim Dormer would have thought of the the older Tim Dormer if he got to see, you know, what, oh, what happened? That's a scary question <laughs> because I never dreamt for any of this. <laughs> I just wanted to be a farmer or work at a zoo yeah, um, and have a pretty quiet life. I wanted to get married to a girl, fall in love yep. and, and have a family. Um, I guess it's like... How do you measure success? Do I feel successful? Not in the way that the world measures it. Sometimes mm. I feel like I don't measure up that way. But in other ways, I really feel proud of myself that I've achieved some things about like knowing who I am. Like going mm. through the process of coming out was like for anybody who is part of the LGBT family, like it, the question of your identity and who you are and having to choose something for yourself that's ingrained. I don't know. That's a really big challenging process. And it was for me. Um, 
You talked yeah. before as well about not wanting to be defined as well. Was that mm. was that kind of hard to kind of put a label on on your your sexuality? Yeah, yeah. And I guess now I don't mind so much about the labels in the, and and culture has changed so much in the last mm. five years since I came out. Um, where there's a lot more labels nowadays, and I guess more people are accepted for whatever label they want to identify as. We've still got a long way to go. But um, I guess with everything that I knew and the family upbringing and and knowing how much that would change my relationship with my family coming out, it, it was really hard to feel comfortable about a label. And at the time, I think I, I was already in the relationship with my ex that I said um, I was in love with a guy. And, and we were best friends. Um, that was the truth that... I'd fallen in love with my best friend and I I didn't want to put the label of gay on it. But now I'm fine if if yeah. I identify as gay or other people want to say that. But I know deep down that I don't think that I would never be open to being in a relationship with a female again. So if it's easier for them, for other people, yeah. and I'm okay with it, then the label doesn't really matter so much to me anymore. Were you were you worried about coming out to your parents who are really you know really Christian and really you know was that a, was that a scary thing to do? Yeah, yeah, I think that was probably um, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, and yeah. it's still not a wound that is healed. It's I love them; they're really loving people, and. Um, I've I've had a great relationship with my dad since. We've chatted about how it all went down at the time, but it was everything changed. Um, and it was really sad because they and my sisters thought that it was a choice away from God, away from the family values. But in how I chose to respond to that in saying, well, I'm not going to be rejected by you. I love you guys and I know where you come from. I know how your brain is perceiving this because I used to be that. Like I've, I've been in that yeah. world where this is scary and it's, and it's, you've got your rehearsed lines of what needs to be said. That it's yeah. not God's choice for your life and blah, blah, blah. And I just decided then and there that I would, uh, I get a bit upset because it's not, yeah. I don't know, I haven't really chatted about this, but it's come up. Um, I decided that I would love them and try and demonstrate to them the love that I wish they'd shown me. So, yeah. And, and I have a lot of sympathy for people who come from certain religious beliefs or, or just any belief system that you, you can't comprehend somebody else's. I don't know, I don't like ignorance that, you don't have to agree with everybody, but you have to understand where they're coming from. So I don't agree with my parents' beliefs or my family beliefs when it comes to sexuality, but I understand. And I had the choice then and there to be hurt by it and and it and to walk away. I, I did think about that. And I had some people telling me, say, cut them off. They don't deserve you in their life. Um, but I... I don't know. I loved them and I just thought, okay. And I, I said to them at the time, I hope one day we can revisit this conversation and, and you have a different 
you have different words to say because I'm not taking these words on. Yeah. Did you did you sit down and tell them? Was that the Yeah. 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 Organized yep. a day. I actually took my dad away camping. <laughs> yeah. Sat around the campfire and I just I couldn't do it. I couldn't yeah. I couldn't do it. So because I was like, there's no escape. So I waited till we got home and then just sat mum and dad down. I think I text messaged my sisters, which isn't the best way to do it, but But it was your way to do it. You know, there's my way there. Thank you. Because there's one thing that I remember about that time that was so awful was feeling like I was forced to tell people um, that there was this obligation that you had to go and, and tell everyone. And I, yeah, it was yuck. I remember like my mum saying, you have to tell your grandmother, it will kill her. And I was just like, help me help. Like, this is really hard and this isn't mm. – I haven't done anything wrong here, but it was this sense no. of um, coming clean. And I guess that's what the term coming out comes from and I've never liked that and I don't really – I hope that terminology is, is abandoned soon and I think it is yeah. less and less used. Um, yeah. Um, but then I guess I was lucky in a way because then like and, – and I had talent management at the time as well that was – very um concerned mm. that that this would be outed in press that i would have no control over the store and it would seem like some kind of um dirty little secret and so they mm. i was just at the, the mercy of their suggestion saying well what what should we do here um and yeah they they organized a who magazine story which was no payment that was i I was hoping that I'd get a dollar. But no, there was absolutely no payment involved. But it was actually quite good because it was very, um, like, my words. And, and mm. yeah, I remember that day that the, the magazine came out and I, I shared it on my social media that day. It was like a Band-Aid lifted. So I complain mm. about being forced to tell everyone, but I have sympathy for people that, didn't have that platform that I had of a, a national front page magazine where, yeah, everyone knew. I remember one amazing moment, actually. I went and bought the magazine, read it, and then I decided I was living at Bondi Beach. I, I decided to go for a swim. And I was out in the ocean and, like, it was middle of the week. There wasn't many people on the beach, but there was this one woman close to me and she said, Tim, this is a big day for you. Congratulations. And I was just like, what the hell? Like, yeah. And she had such joy and it was such acceptance and, and love. And it was just like, it's such a strange relationship I have with people that have, have continued interacting with me online. It, it yeah. just, I feel such acceptance and love and family from them, which kind of makes up for some of the wounds that I haven't yeah. had from. Yeah. Was that kind of what you wanted to hear at the time, you think? Like, Tim, this is a big day for you? Yeah, look, I just, it could never have come. And I knew that. And that's why I was, I was in the closet or, or in this relationship for, it was over a year. And I would, I said at the minute that, um, that I tell my family, this is, it changes everything. And I knew yeah. that I would be hurt very bad by what they'd said. Um, yeah, that. 
I don't know. My dad did actually a couple of years ago after the breakup because that was a bit of a weird prodigal son moment coming home to to my parents and saying I'd just broken up with them. Like it was my fiancé. We were together for seven years. This is the guy yeah. I came out with. Um, coming home crying and saying like, it didn't work like I, I wanted it so bad and 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 I thought maybe they'd be like yeah we knew it or something but they they didn't they they sort of said we just knew you weren't living you like um you weren't happy as you have been and um yeah and I chatted to dad a lot through that he actually became my rock through that because I hit real rock bottom like I, I yeah. was a mess um and I'd call him every single morning for about a month or two. It was crazy. And we became best friends. And I remember saying, like, thank you so much for helping me through this. And he said to me, no, thank you for allowing me to be a dad to you. And that was really healing, like, um, to hear him say that. that and, and I shared with him how hurt I was by by what some of the family had said in coming out. And he um, he said, I never judged you. I never condemned you. And I thought back and I was like, yeah, he didn't. He was silent. Like, yeah, I would have loved for him to hug me and say, I love you and blah, blah, blah. But he held his tongue and I don't know. He's a very wise, he's a good good man, my dad. He is a good man. Um, and I need to sit down with my mum and my sisters and revisit that, that time but I don't know I can't yet you're not ready yet nah I'm, I don't think I want to hear the answer because it, I'm, I don't care anymore it's kind of like I'm compromising or am I content with the relationship we have right now yeah mm. when you when you look at your parents do you do you see any similarities between you <laughs> and and them a lot of people say that you know when you finally i remember people meeting my parents and going oh my god you make sense now like you finally yeah. like everything yep. seems to make sense do you do you think you have that with them do you think you have similarities yeah. oh absolutely complete merge of both of them like yeah right yeah i guess there is there is that added little ingredient of rebellion that i don't know where that comes from <laughs> yep. um but Oh, no, they are quite firm um, in their beliefs um, and or values, I should say, not beliefs, um, values. They have strong values that I'm, I guess that's what, why I take a stand for things. And it's yeah. like got me into trouble a lot, um, standing up for things that I believe are right or, or in conflict situations. Um, yeah, I think that comes from my parents. Yeah. So when when we take a step back and we go to a young Tim Dormer, where did where did the media bug come from? Because you know mm. you were raised in a very different environment than mm. I think anyone I've really met that's ever done any form of entertainment or anything like that. Really, that mm. that that goes yeah. and does that. It's funny because uh, we weren't allowed to watch Big Brother in our house. And mm. no one was interested to watch it except me. Yeah. I used yeah. to um, watch it. I'd, I'd have to tape it on VHS and I'd go to church on a Sunday night and the live evictions were on a Sunday night. And so I'd have to come home. Thank God there was no social media back then or else I'd find out who was the victim. But I'd sit down and watch in secret in my room, Big Brother. Yeah. And I loved it. 
Um, I never what wanted did you love to go about on it. Um, I think it was maybe it was a window to a whole other world of watching people. I mm. I went to a Christian school. All my friends were Christians. I didn't know about the other world except for movies and TV. And then along came a show that wasn't scripted. It was watching people interact and, and there was nudity and there was sexual conversations and drinking. And I guess the, I was in my teenage years, late teenager, learning about these things that no one was teaching me. Like, yeah. <laughs> How did you go on to, to, you know, audition for Big Brother? Mm. Was it, it was an audition process? There's a lot of years um, because but the funny thing that not many people know about me is I, I had a job in TV and radio the years before Big Brother. I got this dream job working um, up on the Gold Coast. It was called Hitless TV and Hitless Radio. And at the time, Video Hits was in capital city markets, but Hitless TV was all across regional Australia. And the same within Radio Hot 30, the countdown show that Kyle and Jackie O started in. Um, that was Capital City Markets, but Hitlist Radio was the whole... It was the biggest actual radio show in the country. We had the most um, markets that we went to. And that was five nights a week. The TV show was um, Saturdays and Sundays. And I did that for two years, hosting with a co-host. We interviewed some of the biggest celebrities in the world. Like, it was... And this was literally the year that I left the church. Um, I got that job because I was working... Um, just as the um, street um, promotions team with Nova Radio. Yeah. And then this came up and I'd done a bit of... I I was obsessed with the show Totally Wild. That's right. Oh, yes. I I love Totally Wild. Oh, how good was it? It was so good. That was my dream. And I remember... Because I loved science, I loved animals... And I sent them in a little video saying, oh, yeah, I want to be work, do work experience with you. It was me sitting in a, in a garbage bin explaining how snot was like the garbage disposal unit of the human body. It was actually quite clever for someone yeah. who... I think I was about 15 or 16 at the time. And no media experience at all? Yeah, no. So they got me in and I did a, um, a week work experience with them and... I remember they said, you've got something, but you need like to get some media experience. And I remember leaving, catching the train back to the Blue Mountains from Sydney. Then I said to myself, you're going to do this. Like whatever it takes, you'll, you'll get to TV. And, um, and then the doorway was through radio doing the promotions job. Then I got that on air job. Um, and then that job, right? So Hot 30, Southern, oh, it was um, Osterio at the time, merged with Southern Cross Media, another big media company that I worked for. And so they only needed one show. So Hot 30 took over Hit List. We were made redundant. Mm. And it was the final week of, of recording the show. I remember I was in the studio prepping and an ad came on and it was the announcement that Channel 9 was reviving Big Brother. And I remember looking, like, it was so stupid, looking at the speaker in in the studio and I knew, that's it, you're going to do that. You know Big Brother, you can you can do that. Like, you know that game. You've watched it yeah. your whole life, knowing what you loved, what you didn't love in people. You can play that game. And I'd had enough kind of experience of interviewing. Like, my first ever interview was Russell Brand. And it was chaos, but I loved him. And in that year, I also 
interviewed Kesha and then she asked me to spend the weekend with her. Like we dated for the weekend. And I always laugh and tell people, if you want to understand who Tim was at that time, I was a merge of Russell Brand and Kesha. These two (laughs) celebrities that I'd interviewed that I just gleaned from and thought, oh my God, like that energy of chaos, Mm. but maybe I'm cunning. I could do. And so I auditioned for Big Brother. Um, This was 2012, actually. Got through. They were like, we're going to send you in as an intruder to cause chaos. (laughs) And I even flew up there to get the bloody, all all the promo shots. And then something happened that they changed their mind. They put in a female intruder, sexy female instead of me. And they said, okay, sorry, mate. You've got to go back to Sydney. We'll give you a call next year. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I thought that was my dream. And I I spent a year in Sydney knowing that I was going to get on the show the next year and I was going to win. That I wasn't going to be some stupid intruder that they were going to just use as a stunt. Yep. That I was going to win. And um, that's what happened. (laughs) What were you doing for that year when you're in Sydney? Do you want to know? That was when I first had sex with a guy. Oh, really? Yes, yeah, I'd moved out of, because I'd moved up to Queensland to do that radio job. And when I came home, I didn't want to move back in with my parents. Yeah. I kind of had, um, yeah, I'd sort of been in that world outside of, of the home that I'd grown up in, that it was ready to kind of, yeah, I couldn't go back. Yeah, yeah. So I moved in with a mate in, in Sydney and it was a great year of just, I think I, I got the job back at Nova. Yep, I did that. Mm-hmm. I I picked up my degree in science again and yep. I did a few more subjects. Just in case Totally Wild had a reboot. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah. in case. I probably emailed them and said, get me in, get me in. I think you and I, Tim, <laughs> should start a petition to get Totally Wild back on our get screens. Get Totally Wild. <laughs> I love this idea. Yeah, it's very... We'll call Ranger Stacy up. and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because I now work for Channel 10. I do voiceovers. For- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 10 nobody would know it is the stupidest thing because i've got the most annoying weirdest voice but i got that job about five years ago and it's the best job like yeah. voiceover work is so everyone easy. hates so their I own walk... voice though everyone hates the sound they of their do own voice. don't yeah. they i'm used to it i think i like it's it's funny some people recognize me out in the street not from looking at me but from hearing me and it always makes me laugh yeah, like, yeah. what is it about <laughs> Yeah, but now, so I walk into that Channel 10 building every Wednesday and I just think, well, the little 15-year-old that wanted Tony Wild, you're here, mate. You're working in the building. <laughs> You've made it. Well, so you were working back at Nova for that year in Sydney? Yeah. And then an, another really big life moment happened. This is You're getting it all today. You're drawing it out of me, Sam. Um it was about, it was end of the year and because I'd had on-air experience, I came back to Nova 
just driving the cars again. Yeah. And I was really shitty because I was like, hang on, like I've interviewed. And so I was trying to like prove to the boss that I could do more. And I was like, man, I felt like you got to climb this ladder. You got to climb this ladder. This is a step down. And so they put me on weekend shifts or something, weekend nights, which was kind of fun, just mm. getting drunk people to call up their requests. But um, then something happened where the person that was supposed to interview Taylor Swift was sick. And then my boss came in and he's like, okay, so you've interviewed some big names. We're going to give you Taylor Swift for 10 minutes, see what you can get out of her. And I, I was prepared. I, I knew how to do this. It was yep. my old job was me and my co-host and we'd sit down and write the questions like we we didn't have a producer working with us and we were it was yeah we'd fly to sydney nearly every fortnight to interview the international acts that were coming either movie stars or or musicians yeah it was amazing um hadn't interviewed taylor swift though so but i loved her so i got her on the phone and and it went really well yep. like yeah she was laughing there was some awkward laughs like it, it was good and um and my boss said, you nailed that. Like we were able to get a lot of grabs from her that they cut me out and gave to whoever was in the morning, American Rosso or whatever to use. <laughs> yeah. And so it was a, I'd, I'd sort of shown that I'd proven myself to the bosses. And then he said, okay, we've got something really big for you. Um, Rihanna is doing a tour on a plane, seven countries, seven days, seven tours. And the girl we were going to send is pregnant and she's on maternity leave. So would you like to do this? And I was like, holy shit, yeah, I would. <laughs> um, so me and they sent, I think, three people from Australia in media. The other guy, oh, this is a funny story, actually. Well, not funny, but um, how it all links in. Um, the host of the Hot 30 on Today FM, the guy that had taken my job, mm. that I just lost my job to this guy was getting on this plane with me. And so, yeah, we flew over to LA, got on the plane. And my boss had said, look, ideally you'd get like like a little video of, of Rihanna or a little recording of her talking about how fun it's going to be on the plane. Mm. And so we're, we're not even taken off on the tarmac in, in LA and Rihanna starts walking down the aisles. I was like, holy shit. And this is me just idiot tim not really understanding protocol i just got up out of my seat ran up to her i placed in her hand the nova logo <laughs> and i just held up my camera and said rihanna tell us like what can we expect and she's like this is the motherfucking party plane we're gonna go and and then before we'd even taken off i sent it back to my boss and he was just like holy shit that's rihanna holding our logo talking about a party on a plane like yeah. He goes, your your job here is done. Like, just have fun. Yeah. Anyway, the guy that was at Today FM was pissed <laughs> off because they his bosses were like, what the fuck? How did the Nova guy get this? Who is yeah. this guy? Like, you need to get some content for us. Um, we never saw Rihanna again on that tour. <laughs> she just stayed up the front of the plane and, and the whole press of the world, like there was people from Rolling Stones magazine. There was like the big time yeah, press yeah. were on this plane being just dragged around the world. In their eyes, I was having the time of my life yeah. because I was just, the flight attendant was <laughs> leaving me bottles of Grey Goose vodka on the seat and it was actually an amazing time and, and fun. And me and the guy from... Today FM got on really well, but yeah. there was a sense that there was this competition here. I don't think he even knew that 
I was shitty that he had taken my job. Yeah, right. Um, and then everything came to a, a head one night. We were flying from um, Berlin to London and it was late night and the whole press was cranky and they were writing bad stuff about the tour, that it was a, it was a, a failure, that, right. that we weren't being fed, we weren't, we weren't given hotel rooms as a bed. It was just watching Rihanna perform the same 10 songs every night in yep. a different country around the world. Um, so they're all chanting on the plane, give us a story, give us a story. And I don't know what snapped in my head right then, but I went to the, to the toilets and I just took all my clothes off and stripped and did a nudie run in the lap of the plane. And in front of Rihanna? Whole well, she was up the front. I yeah. didn't see her. I remember diving over seats, but um, it was chaos, like yeah. s- just screaming and, and people were recording. And someone turned to me and said, you don't know what you've just done. Like you've just given a plane full of starving press yeah. a story. And as I hopped off the plane, like, I was sort of nervous, yeah. <laughs> landing in London in the morning, um, they they all immediately put the story out and um, Rihanna's people, the record label, put me aside as I was getting off the plane. They said, we don't know whether to call the, the marshal and have you arrested or um, or congratulate you because you've actually made this tour look fun. <laughs> and they had the head of, head of Universal on the phone from Australia and she's like, what the, what the fuck, Tim? Yeah. And, and my boss from Nova was just like, okay, like... This is a lot. Like, but as the story progressed through that day, it was the hero. There was this Aussie idiot that yeah. decided to go nude and run on Rihanna's plane. And it was world news. Like, uh, that was when, like, Koshi and Mel on Sunrise called me. I did the project from the hotel in London. And then we were flying to New York. That was the last leg of the tour. And as I landed in New York, I don't know, someone grabbed me and said, You're coming with us. And yeah. I did, like, Showbiz Tonight, their big <laughs> entertainment show in, in the CNN building. Like I wow. met Anderson Cooper. And it was just, I remember just freaking out going, holy shit, like you've you've done all this. Yeah. Like this is what happens when you show off. Like you, you are capable because you're not afraid of the consequences. And it was fun and it was sort of a really big learning curve. Um, but... I was, it was a bit scary in a way. Yeah. And then something really scary did happen. When I came back from that tour, Nova put me on the night show yep. up against Hot 30. Wow. Up against the guy that I'd just done the flight with. That week he texts me. Oh, no, it was a, it was a Facebook message yep. on, my, on my wall, a Facebook post. And he said, I've just done something that's going to blow your Rihanna stunt out of the water. And it was the royal prank. He was one wow. of the ones that did the royal prank. The royal prank was um, was such a big such a big story at the time because it was a very unfortunate circumstances in that time that um, yeah. someone ended up taking their life over a prank that was um, that happened with we were with two people and so what was what what was that like to hear? Did you know the full? outcome of that at the time well, when he posted it? Well, remember the news cycle of that was there was 24 hours where they were congratulated. Like Jimmy yeah. Fallon was making jokes about how great it was that these two Aussie DJs had put on a fake accent and got through to the Queen's aid mm. um, or, or Princess um, Kate. 
by pretending to be the queen. And I remember actually my boss from Nova calling and saying, yeah, take that message off your wall. Yeah. Um, then that was how I found out um, that the, the nurse they got through to had committed suicide. And I, I remember a conversation with my mum at the time and she said, be careful, Tim, that could have been you. And it could have. I mean, everyone in the in the industry back then didn't know the consequences of a no. prank or, or of, of, of trying to chase this entertainment by doing something shocking or, mm. or silly. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I stayed on doing the, the summer fill-in for Nova and then the, the new year came around and the Big Brother auditions were back and... They said, we saw what you did with that Rihanna plane you're in. Wow. And they said, we actually wanted you last year, but Channel 9 said no. They said, he's too far too yep. outrageous. Like, he's too much of a risk. Um, and the show was just being revived. And they said, let's, we, we don't want him this season. Let's keep him for next. And I don't know whether they, they never thought I was capable of winning it, but they just thought that I'd bring guaranteed entertainment or shock yeah um, but they didn't i hadn't shown them any of the heart or kind of i hadn't told them anything about my upbringing mm. or anything um i i was just the loud-mouthed idiot through the auditions and and i remember the big brother producers afterwards saying um yeah you you kind of pretended through those auditions didn't you like you're a lot smarter than you gave off i'm like yeah i knew you didn't put people like me on the show <laughs> you know how to play um, the game yeah so big brother was kind of the that sort of i don't know the final moment of a big two years of my life mm. where um i was learning how to play with fire and in in the entertainment industry <laughs> did you at any point like during that time so you know working at Nova, having all these experiences. Did you ever think at that point, oh, maybe I can do this, maybe I don't want to go and, and be on Big Brother or did that never even cross your mind? Mm. I think I was so hungry to climb the ladder. Yep. Um, to my detriment that... And, and I was going for some presenting jobs. Um, I, I could have stayed in radio and probably would have had a great career. Um, but the dream was always to do TV and I was going for jobs and they were saying, you've either got to be a sports person or a model mm. back then. There was no social media. It wasn't that you had to have social media following. Yeah. Um, they were the people that were getting the presenting gigs, um, ex sports stars and, and models. And I was neither. <laughs> so there, it was this window of, um, of reality TV. 2013 was a strange year. Because that was the year Instagram took off. Right, okay. That And you can measure it by the people that did Big Brother in 2012 only got uh, 20,000, 30,000 followers on, on Instagram, which was a lot for that time. Yeah. We came out in 2013 with 200,000 followers. Wow. And that was more than anyone in the country had. Yeah. That was the first year that The Bachelor aired as well with Tim Robards. Um, it was a really like a turning point in reality TV where a new version of, of a, of a person that was signing up to do it. They weren't just the average Joe Blow that Big yep. Brother had always been. Um, they were now people that knew what was coming off the back of it. You, you would 
have your own reality show that you could play out every day on yeah. your on your phone and your social media. So I think that changed things, and I'm I'm glad to have have experienced that now. But I think it cost me maybe. Um, I was then in that box of of reality TV and especially of Big Brother, like people yeah. from Big Brother. That it's always had a dirty tag, even though it is since the Channel Nine and Channel Seven days. It's 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 not at all smutty, and it's a, no, yeah, it's, um, yeah. I guess we're still it, it's very lowbrow and maybe the bottom of the barrel when it comes to reality TV for um, influencers or respect. Maybe I've always felt that. Which I don't know. Maybe that's not quite accurate. But along came the powerhouses of The Bachelor, mm. Maths, um, and and Love Island, and I don't know. I sort of see myself as one of the last of the. But then I say that, but I had a, so much media training and and I knew how to create content that that's that's what I brought to the show. Um, I don't know, but I I was very maybe naive socially which which brought there was a redeeming quality about me that I don't when you when you think how did I win that show which was public voted it's mm. it's not strategy based even though I employed a lot of strategy to sort of to get the public to vote for me because I knew if I was interesting enough that they would keep me in I knew I wasn't good looking enough I wasn't funny enough but if I was interesting enough that they wanted to just keep seeing me whether they liked me or not they would vote for me to stay in there um and the redeeming thing was that there was something about and this is a quality of myself that I'm, I'm very proud of that that unawareness that like there's something I do say self-deprecating things or I I kind of I, I'm not trying to get you to like me. I'm just trying to get a reaction out of you. That Okay, that's not a good thing. <laughs> I was like, well, there's, I don't care if you like me or not. Like, that. that's that's it. And so there was some kind of um, rawness about the way that I showed myself in that season of Big Brother that I think people forgave a lot of my um, my faults because they were like, okay, he's real. Like It was weird in a way because I think it really did change my life and I now think of that experience as pre-doing the Big Brother house in 2013 and then, and then afterwards. It did... The world had changed when I came back out. Um, I read an interesting quote the other day that said... Um, or who was it? Was it Ed Sheeran or or Harry Styles? One of them said, fame doesn't change you, but it changes how everybody else relates to you. And and I didn't feel like I had changed. And my family, actually, I remember saying one time, they were like, you need to realise that things are, are different when you go out on the street. Like, you, you, you need to act a little bit more professionally or, um, I don't know, it didn't change me but it was weird it was as if like and it's not everybody but people that watch the show and and it was crazy back then actually like every time i'd go out there'd be a lot of people that were like oh my god it's it's tim and they wanted to chat and um and i loved it because it was i guess i got what i wanted in a way that i'd 
um, I'd wanted to kind of have people know who I was. I'd wanted that reaction that they wanted more of me. Um, but I didn't really know what that, that meant or what to do with it. It was weird. It kind of, for a couple of years, it was great chatting to everyone. And I guess I did work with Channel 9 afterwards. I, I worked for the Today Show and Getaway and did some amazing TV presenting experiences that I dreamt of. But it was as Tim from Big Brother. It was defined by that guy that did this show, this reality TV show and won. Um, which it then became bigger than who I actually was. And maybe that there was a bit of a gap in, in who I actually was in this version of me that, that I intentionally turned up and, and, and showed out to the world. Um, who I was, wasn't, I don't know, was, well, I was so naive. Like I, I hadn't like, I, yeah, I I think it it sort of over the years became I felt a bit of an imposter to that guy, um, and then I just kind of wanted stuff that was not related to that guy. I didn't want my personal life to be shared in Daily Mail. I didn't want to have to take photos of holidays that I was going on. I didn't want to. I don't know. That was probably about took about five years. I think. Um, until I just didn't want to be a part of it anymore. And I kind of thought, have I made a mistake here? Do I actually even enjoy working in media? And that's when I decided to get into disability care, something that was totally not performing. It wasn't about me at all. And it was proving to myself that there was something that had deeper purpose in my life than performing entertainment um yeah so it was strange to get the call to then go back this last year because it was not anything that i was chasing at the time and i said no (laughs) i I didn't really want to do it because i knew what and i i actually i said to them because it was the executive producer worked on the 2013 series and she was like we can't do this without having you I said, I know, I know, like, but I'm not that guy anymore. Like, I'm, I know what you want me to do. I know that dance. I know the moves. I know how to do it. But, but why? Why would I want to do that? And, um, there was a big bit of backwards and forwards, and they kind of baited me with Reggie, who Reggie was like one of my idols growing up watching the show. Like, she represented that original reality TV. Well, you say character, but they weren't a character. They were a real life person that Australia fell in love with. And, and, and when I knew that she was doing it, I thought, Oh God, like she's one of the real ones. I would love to do it with her. And, um, and I just kind of, I maybe was in sitting down and watching myself that I, I thought, wow, this is a part of you that you let go of and you ran from and and maybe there was a bit of shame but that was a time in your life that you were really really happy and you were really powerful is the wrong word maybe it's courageous but there was a lot of strength in um in who I was then and I was like maybe it's time to kind of make friends with that 
that time in your yeah. life a little bit more and, and revisit and and you aren't the same person as you were then. You have gone through a lot of life experience of coming out, of having my heart broken. Um, yeah, but yeah, what maybe I wasn't like yeah, I, I wanted to go back um to 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 give the fans of the show something, but it wasn't the same intention of the first time around. I didn't want to give them um, a show. I wanted to maybe give them the updated version of who I was, like sort of maybe, um, yeah, a, a chance to say, hey, 10 years have passed, I've grown up a little bit. I don't know if I did that. I don't know. Kind of, It was because it was such a different beast this time around, like filming it all and then waiting six months for it to go to air. And then it's such a different show now. Um, it's very game-focused, which um, I guess doesn't show as much of the, the real-life relationships and, and day-to-day stuff that it used to. But... Um, I don't know, it, was, it, it has been really lovely to reconnect with people that were watching my journey the first time around, followed it a bit on social media, but then filling in some of the gaps for them. Yeah, if I did nothing else in the industry, I could walk away and go, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of proud of that story that I told. There's bits of it in the 2013 version of me that I, I'm not ashamed of, but and I don't regret, but... They were mistakes. They were who I was at that time. And, yeah, I I like that I got a second chance to sort of show an updated version. Yeah. Even even when you say, you know, that Reggie was one of the real ones, do you not feel like you were one of the real ones? Well, that's funny. Yeah, I, yes, I, I think I am. And that is, is um, the thing I'm most proud of is that there's a realness... But the realness is, is that I was there to entertain and and to win. Like, I was very real about that. I, I told them all that when I was doing that the series. Um, yeah. I was honest about that. I never said I wasn't playing the game. Um, but realness, of, of maybe vulnerability is the right word. I wasn't very... Yeah. vulnerable in the, the 2013 series. Um, I don't know if that came across in the in this year's series. I was more of a, a strong game player. But um, for myself, I knew that in the way I interacted with the other housemates, there was a lot of, um, yeah, real-time chats that, sh- yeah, sharing what I'd been through. That was the magic, I guess, of bringing people back from the era of the early days of Big Brother, like Dave and Trevor, um, the chats we'd have about how it affected our lives um, and how we felt so alone in our worlds of having done this crazy phenomena of early days reality TV. But there, there was something so we understood each other. Like, there was the first time I was meeting these people, but we... It was a family and it was weird. Like I wouldn't say it's trauma, but there is, there's something quite challenging about going through the process of reality TV that, um, I don't think everybody else comes out the other end. 
um, without trauma. There's a lot of there's a lot of challenges. Yeah, absolutely. And and also being seen by everyone in that time as well would be, you know, you're mm. not in it by yourself. There's so many other people around. Now, Tim, I have these standard questions that I ask people on this podcast to learn a little bit more about them. So what traits in people do you find the most admirable? Um, I like empathy for somebody else's experience, whether or not you agree with it or not. I'm not talking about empathy for, oh, like you... Um, you feel sorry or compassion for the challenge they've been through. Um, empathy in the way of understanding why they've made the choices they have. Yeah, that's great. If if you could be, if you could choose to be born into an environment, what would that look like? Do you do you think that that environment that you were born into? Do you think that kind of made you who you oh. are? Yeah, yeah, it did. It definitely did. But I wouldn't. I don't know. I don't know if I'd choose it if I had the choice. I wish I was um, born into maybe an indigenous culture or a tribe. I just, although I'd be like the village idiot, but I don't, I don't know. There's something about um, the time and the culture that I've been born into that I just don't really feel like I want to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's totally fair. What What's your favourite thing about yourself? Um... My ability to admit mistakes and learn. Yeah, that's great. What's something you'd change about yourself? Um, oh, well, there's lots. I don't feel like I've arrived in my life at a place where I measure success, um, but I'm I'm wrestling with the fact at the moment with the difference between being content. So not wanting more, being happy with what I've got, and then um, compromise. Am I just settling? Am I just compromising where I'm at? And so should I be doing more? Um, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm not settled. I'm not content. Um, and so maybe, I'm, yeah, I'm a bit of a restless soul, but I don't know if that's, would I like to change that? At what point do you kind of, stop and go huh i'm done in life or i'm i'm happy i'm just going to do you, like is it the difference between spectator and performer i like sometimes i'm just too much of the performer but i don't like i didn't come here to eat popcorn and watch the show like i want to i want to put the show on but it's kind of like in life that means that you're very Always striving, never happy, never content. So maybe that's something I'd like to change. Yeah. Um, who influenced you the most? Um, yeah, I'd say my parents. Um, mm. Parents and then, or maybe I'll say Russell Brand and Kesha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what drives you now? Do you still have big ambitions? Yeah, I do. I do. I'll, I think I'll always be a bit of a dreamer. Um, yeah, what drives me? Well, it's like this lust for life, like wanting to feel it all, taste it all. I don't want to have it all, but I want to experience it. I want to tick every box. Yeah, that's great. Who do you choose to surround yourself with and has that changed over time? Well, that's a good one. Yeah, I, I, 
I had a large group of friends that all left last year with the breakup. And that was the tail end of people that knew me after I did Big Brother. They weren't people, long-term friends. They're people that come into my life um, who I think were just there for the party. And I liked putting on a party. And when I needed them, when that breakup happened, they weren't there for me. And it made me question like what influences I let into my life and whether people are gleaning from me rather, like what am I getting from them? And so now I'm very conscious when it comes to friends um, about my own boundaries and um, yeah, what what energy are they putting into my life? Yeah, um, yeah because I've, I'm happy to put in a lot of energy to, to a lot of different people, but I've got to watch actually when I need it. Um, who have I got there? And so I've got some goodies now. Would you describe yourself as an extrovert? Yeah. I don't know. Like I've heard something like you can be a bit of both. Um, And I think this has something to do with autism as well, that you can have a bit of burnout where you just need to be away. Otherwise you will just burn out. Um, So I, yeah, I do. I love the energy of being around other people. Um, but there's there's a limit where I need to kind of hibernate and sort of recharge and come back to base. If you could pinpoint a moment in your life that had the greatest impact on you, what would that be? Um, I Yeah, I think it would have to be that 2013 series of Big Brother. It was kind of like reaching a big goal that I'd achieved um, and, and being accepted, embraced by a large audience um, coming from such a sheltered world of, of wanting to be part of the other world um, to then be, yeah, crowned a winner of, of that world. It, I don't know. It was, I'm not saying it was a, a good thing, but it was something that I wanted and achieving that um, did change my life after that. Yeah. So at the end of this, Tim, I like to ask the same question that I asked at the start: uh, nature or nurture? Do you feel like it is a bit of both for you? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely both because I was nurtured in a certain way, which set me up. Um, but then I definitely chose against that for um, for a different experience that that I think came from something inherent that. I, I I was born to want more or to push the boundaries, to ask what's outside the box. Mm. So, yeah. I love that. Tim Dormer, thank you so so much for being a, a great guest, but also very patient with all of the audio glitches and all the times we had to start and stop again today. Thank you so much for joining me. How do people find you and everything? Stay, stay up to date with yeah, what you're doing. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Um, Social media, at Tim Dormer. Yeah, and then each week I do the podcast, The Big Mouth. Thank you, Tim Dormer, for joining Thanks, me. Thanks, mate. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Nature or Nurture for this week. My name is Sammy Peterson and you can follow me, SamPeterson91, on Instagram. I also have a comedy podcast called Confessions. You can find that. The handles are Confessions, the podcast on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook. You can also just search it on your regular podcast apps. Please do rate this podcast 
Uh, I would love that. It helps get the podcast out there to so many people. Thank you to the wonderful Michelle Laurie and Matthew Tankard. They're, they're great producers and I couldn't do this without them. Please do share this podcast around. I'd love to get it out there to as many people as possible. So please do share it with a friend and tell the person that you just heard on this podcast that you've really enjoyed hearing their chat. Thank you so much. Hope you have a good week and I will talk to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.